from the Merd Park, USA. I'm Tavis Smiley, and you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to see you and me back in stride again. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. All of our socials can be found at KBLA 1580. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Everything at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app at KBLA 1580. Download the app and take us with you anywhere in the world. And listen to us in real time, but only by downloading our app right now at KBLA 1580. Should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of this program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast of this program and listen at your leisure should you miss us any day in real time. But I am delighted to have you along live with us today for the next three hours. You can also watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me also invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another great show on tap for you today in our second hour. How many of you have liberal arts degrees? Raise your hands. I can see you right now. How many of you have liberal arts degrees? Uh, not if you're driving, of course. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. The persistent belief that liberal arts degrees are not financially viable has caused a significant reduction in liberal arts colleges and humanities degrees, despite the fact that 50% of U.S. employers acknowledge that individuals with liberal arts degrees possess job skills, invaluable job skills indeed, that others lack. So, why the decline? What price does the nation pay long-term for this vast reduction in fellow citizens with liberal arts degrees? And how do we assess that reduction? Dr. Gail Green will help us out with those questions when she joins us today in Hour 2. In our third hour, are our courts and the Supreme Court in particular, merely politically partisan, or are they wholly illegitimate? Are they just politically partisan? And that would be too much, right? But are they now wholly illegitimate? It is a question worth wrestling with, and so we will interrogate it. In Hour 3, with Mark Tushnet, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus, joins us for a conversation about the legitimacy, or lack thereof, of our court system these days. But we commence today's program uh, with uh, politics, talking with political commentator and serious XM host, Sir Michael Singleton, who I'm delighted to have on this program. Sir Michael, how are you, sir? Hey, Tavis. It is a pleasure to be with you, man. I have been a big fan of yours ever since I was much younger. And when I saw the email to come on, I called my parents and I said, holy smoke, Tavis Smiley wants me on his radio show. <laughs> so thank you for having me on your show. This is really a big deal for me. Well, holy smokes, Robin. I'm glad to have you on the program as well today. <laughs> and uh, a lot to talk about in this hour. And I hope your parents get a chance to tune in. But thank you for those kind words. Uh, it's always good to know that whatever work and witness we've tried to engage, uh, it has empowered somebody along the way, and I appreciate you saying that. So thank you. Let's jump right in, though. We've got an hour and a lot to get to. I, I suspect, Sean Michael, the place to start, uh, as much as I don't want to, <laughs> is, <laughs> is what ha- you know where I'm going, right? What happened at CPAC? I know where you're going. Yeah, I know you know. <laughs> what happened at CPAC over the weekend? So CPAC, as you know, is the Conservative Political Action Conference. Uh, they met over the weekend, and uh, take a wild guess as to who, uh, won their straw poll uh, to be president, uh, at least on uh, as Republicans are concerned, uh, come 2024. So they do a straw poll, 
uh, and one Donald Trump, uh, who appeared there this weekend, uh, comes out on top in this straw poll. I've been reading about this, you know, in the last, you know, 24, you know, 48 hours or so, Sir Michael, and there, there, there are a couple of, of schools of thought on this, and I want to take your temperature on this. On the one hand, mm-hmm. um, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence didn't show up for this. So, you know, Trump was the guy who was there. Secondly, he sort of owned this crowd for the last number of years anyway. Um, and, and so this 62% number that he received over the weekend was not a surprise to some, uh, but it does in fact show that Donald Trump um, still has some kind of base, even as we expect him to be indicted in the days to come. He does have some sort of base still, of course, on the Republican side. The other way to read this, though, is that Trump, uh, as I said, owned this space. This is his platform. And he could only find his way to 62% of the of, of the straw poll. So there are a couple of different ways to see this. How do you read it? You know, that's a really, really great question. And if you looked at CPAC, I used to go to CPAC a long time ago. I haven't been in quite some years now. And you saw a diminished crowd. And I think that diminishment was indicative of where the Republican Party is in totality today, and that's a party that's that's ideologically fractured. It's a party that is trying to redefine itself. What does it mean to be a conservative? Is it this nationalist populism that Trump has sort of uh, sprouted, if you will, with his with his first run and ultimate presidency, or is it something much more complicated and, and complex? I think there's also many questions within the party of which direction should the party go. Do they put all of their support behind Trump again because some at the base level want Trump? Or do they say, you know, we probably can't win with Trump, so maybe we need to move on with someone else. And so the fact that Trump won 60-plus percent doesn't really mean much to, to me, Tavis, as a strategist, because the question becomes – can you pull numbers outside of traditional Republican voters, mm-hmm. which is why I think Pence wasn't there. I think it's why DeSantis is all over the country on his book tour right now trying to figure out, can we have resonance with swing voters? Can we have resonance with suburbanites? Those are two key constituencies that Trump lost when he ran against uh, Joe Biden in the previous uh, presidential run. And it's also two groups Sabbath, that Republicans struggled with significantly if you look at many of the House seats across the country. And so from my perspective, I'm not surprised that the president won. Those are his people. But that is not indicative to me of one's ability to run an effective campaign against Joe Biden in 2024. I, I hear that point, uh, but let's not let's not put the cart in front of the horse um, because these numbers, at some level, have to be um, statistically relevant at least. Because while he may not be able to beat Joe Biden in a matchup, a second matchup, that might not happen. And let's face it, we don't know that Trump's going to be the nominee. But again, back to the relevance of these statistics. At the moment, it appears that he is still the person to beat. He is still the early leader. So that Pence or DeSantis or Nikki Haley, whoever, still have to tussle with. They got to come through Donald Trump. But these numbers, again, suggest to me that at this early stage, he's still the guy to beat on the other side. Yeah, no, I actually would not disagree with that at at all. And I think I was just on CNN yesterday talking about this very same topic. Mm -hmm. And I essentially surmised that if, if, if you're DeSantis or Pence or Haley or Pompeo, or maybe even Tim Scott, who's who's apparently considering it, or anyone else out there, you are going to have to climb the hurdle of getting beyond and above Trump. And how do you do that without attacking him or insulting him or distinguishing yourself in such a way where you don't turn off 
Tavis, that 30% of Republican voters who are extremely loyal to Trump. Individuals, many of them, I believe some estimates around 20%, were completely disengaged and became disengaged only because of Trump. How do you maintain that in order to distinguish yourself and ultimately say, I am the better option? That's going to be really, really difficult, Tavis. And as we saw, again, with the midterms, Trump wasn't on the ballot. Many of those people did not vote. They only voted for individuals that Trump endorsed, but those individuals could not do well in the general election campaign. So there's a lot of complexities here. Mm -hmm. But to the, the question that you asked, I think you're right. Trump is the person to beat. But Tavis, look at Atlanta. I think Trump could be indicted there. There are a couple other litigation across the country, New York, where, where things can really turn. And some of those voters will say, well, wait a minute here. We love Trump, but we want to win. Yeah. And maybe we do need to start looking somewhere else. And I think that is what could benefit some of those other candidates. When we come forward with uh, Sir Michael Singleton in this conversation, two other things about this Trump matter. We'll move on to President Biden, who was in Selma yesterday, and so much uh, other stuff to get to in this hour. Glad to have him on. But when we come forward, uh, one other thing that's notable about this poll, um, CPAC, CPAC, that is, over the weekend, is that Trump is expanding his lead over Ron DeSantis. And that's early in the process now. And some of you hate polls, and I'm not a fan of too many polls myself. Um, but but these numbers are all we have to go on at the moment. Uh, and it appears that at the moment, uh, once again, Donald Trump is expanding his lead over Ron DeSantis. We'll get uh, Shermichael's take on what that means, since DeSantis seems to be the guy everybody's looking to um, uh, if there is someone that can, in fact, take Trump out. I don't think people are so much scared about Mike Pence, Nikki Haley. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but DeSantis is the guy who um, is uh, on the tour, as uh, Shermichael said uh, a moment ago. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that and what it means that Donald Trump, at the moment at least, is expanding his lead over Ron DeSantis. Uh, and we will also um, we'll also talk about these indictments. Trump has said uh, uh, as recently as this weekend that even if he's indicted, uh, he's staying in the race. He's not getting out of this race, even though he uh, may, in fact, be indicted. What does that mean? A great deal to unpack as we move through this hour with Sir Michael Singleton on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's get back to uh, Shermichael Singleton, who was a host on Sirius XM on Saturdays, and I'm delighted to have him on. You mentioned uh, a moment ago, he, uh, he mentioned a moment ago, he was on CNN yesterday, so he... Uh, uh, he is a trusted um, voice on political issues, and I want to get it a bit more into his past when we move uh, into this hour. Uh, but I uh, want to continue our conversation right now, though, talking about uh, this news of the weekend. Uh, Chris Rock wasn't the only one making news this weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Donald Trump uh, Donald Trump made some news this weekend, appearing at CSPAC, at CPAC uh, the Conservative Political Action Conference, uh, which he has owned for the last number of years, uh, getting uh, some 62%. In the straw poll this weekend, making him uh, once again the front runner. He's like he's like uh, Teflon Don. Uh, he he will not go away, at least not gently, into that good night, as they say. Uh, he's still in the race, and for all the talk about Ron DeSantis, Shermichael, uh, again Trump walks away with 62 percent of this straw poll over the weekend. Once again, it's early, it's early, it's early. I get that, but Donald Trump appears to be. Uh, expanding his lead over Ron DeSantis at this early stage. How do you read that, my friend? Yeah, see, that, that uh, Tavis presents the interesting and unique dichotomy of Trump and DeSantis, at least for me, because it's, it's, it's only relevant with certain types of voters. But when you look at certain polls like the Mars poll that came out last week, Politico did an amazing article on it. Mm -hmm. Nationally, it looks at most Republican primary voters. 
and they all want DeSantis or someone else other than Trump. And so when you start polling people beyond that ardent base of supporters who, I mean, it doesn't matter if Jesus Christ himself came down and they said Jesus versus Trump, they might still go with Trump. <laughs> when you look beyond them, you do see that there is movement for DeSantis or someone else. But again, going back to what we were discussing before the break, Tavis, even if you can get someone else and that person is able to pull those voters, you still need that Trump base. Because if not, you can't really win a national campaign. And so that's where I think things get really, really interesting for some of these candidates. How do you maintain those people? Because if Trump doesn't win, he's already stated he's not going to support the nominee if it's not him. Mm -hmm. Nope, you said that um, more than once. And so um, I, I take the point that you're making now. Let me let me pivot to um, these uh, perhaps pending indictments. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Trump is facing not one but two state investigations, never mind whatever the special prosecutor is doing, uh, who was appointed by Merrick Garland at the Department of Justice. So there are at least three things moving forward. We know there's an independent prosecutor, once again, at DOJ. We know in New York and in Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia, there are two other investigations uh, that, have, uh, uh, that are making headway. Um, and so it is likely uh, that during this campaign, Donald Trump is going to be indicted. No surprise there. And this is no surprise either. He said over the weekend that he would not, would not drop out of the 2024 presidential race, even if he were indicted in one of uh, these several investigations he is now facing. Your take. I mean, Tavis, look, I'm a conservative, but this is absolutely absurd. There is no way in the world a major party should permit someone who's under federal indictment or state indictment. And as we have heard from the jury forewoman from the Georgia grand jury, if you read through the tea leaves, it, it does indeed, Tavis, appear that Trump may indeed be indicted pretty soon. Party leaders are going to have to make a clear distinction here. Do we want an indicted individual who could very well be convicted as the nominee of, of the party? Absolutely not. And I pray to God that the leaders of the party and the House and Senate and even the GOP chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, say, you know what? We understand the support for Trump, but, but all due respect, former president, you cannot run for the nomination of our party. You got to draw a line and have standards at some point, Tavis. I know a lot of the listeners may say, well, Sir Michael, I hear you, and you're making a lot of moral and ethical sense here, my brother. But the reality is the party hasn't made any standards as it pertains to Trump. And I would agree with that. But, Tavis, I would hope if it got to that point that someone would say, okay, this is too far. We have to draw the line here. That's my hope. I may be wrong, but if you don't draw the line here, Tavis, I mean, my goodness, man, do we just accept anything at that point? Yep. Let, let me play devil's advocate. Um, you may have heard um, a promo while you were on uh, on hold uh, here in Los Angeles tomorrow. Um, a major case uh, begins. Uh, uh, our friend and brother who has represented this area where this station is flagship for over 30 years in a variety of offices here in California. Uh, Mark Ridley Thomas goes on trial tomorrow in a federal bribery case. I have maintained all along. Um, particularly especially where black electeds are concerned, because I've seen this happen so many times in my career. I've reminded this audience time and time again, Shermichael, of the following three things that are a bedrock of our democracy. Uh, uh, presumption of innocence, fundamental fairness, and due process. Presumption of innocence, mm -hmm. fundamental fairness, and due process. That's been my take about the Mark Willie Thomas case that begins tomorrow. And for those who uh, have not heard as yet, uh, weekdays starting tomorrow at 435 
exclusively on your station, KBLA Talk 1580. You will hear Ariva Martin in conversation with our brand new justice correspondent. Her name is Dion Raymond, brilliant attorney. Dion Raymond is the new justice correspondent for this station. She's going to be in the courtroom every day covering this trial exclusively for KBLA Talk 1580. And every day at 435, you can tune in for your daily download. I know you don't have time to watch it every day, but I know you care about it and you're concerned about it. You don't, want to be, you don't want to be surprised at the end when this thing turns out whatever way it's going to turn out. Uh, but every day, um, Dion and uh, Dion Raymond with Ariva Martin will be downloading what happens in the courtroom every single day that this uh, case proceeds forward. And you'll hear that only on KBLA. No other station in town, uh, no other outlet in town is going to cover this every single day like we are and give you an update. So just tune in every day at 435 and you'll be updated right quick here on what happened in the court today uh, vis-a-vis the trial of one Mark Ridley Thomas. My point, though, Shermichael, is that I've been saying where this brother is concerned, presumption of innocence, fundamental fairness and due process. So why can't I, playing devil's advocate, why can't you, playing devil's advocate, say the same thing about Donald Trump? Just because he's running and just because he's indicted, presumption of innocence, fundamental fairness, due process. Don't laugh. I'm just asking the question, brother. No, I I think that's a fair question. And I want to say just to be transparent uh, for your audience and for you, because I think transparency is important. I do know Mr. Ridley Thomas. I went to Morehouse undergrad. I know both of his sons. I've known them for a very long, long, long time. And I am praying um, that this goes in favor of Mr. Ridley Thomas. And I may be biased because I do have an affinity and affection for the family. So I just want to be transparent sure. with that. With that said, to answer your question, <laughs> Tavis, I don't know how the hell I'm going to answer this. But Tavis, I, I just, I just think the Republican Party is just at a point of complete disarray, Tavis. And and this is the issue. You know, there are some things with with, with Trump that I thought, okay, you know, these are some pretty decent things. But there comes a point in time when you look at a populist-like movement, and this is the issue with populism, historically speaking, in general. Once you have that angst and that anxiety and that anger, and you build it into something. What does it translate into? And that's a question that the party hasn't been able to answer. And so I think beyond what happens with Trump and the presumption of innocence, which he absolutely deserves, because that is the way our justice system should work, although that's typically not always the case for people like us, Mm -hmm. black people, that is. Um, I just think the party needs to go in a new direction, Tavis. The party needs to redefine itself. The country is becoming more diverse. The GOP has to realize that honing in only on white voters just mathematically will not be enough. And so we need to have questions. What is the conservative answer to criminal justice reform? What is it beyond the First Step Act that is? What is the conservative answer to some of the systemic issues of poverty that we see in our inner cities, education that we see in our inner cities, the health disparities that exist in our inner cities? I've spent a lot of time, Tavis, thinking about these things intellectually trying to figure out legislatively how do we approach them uh, as a conservative, as a, as a Republican Party, which I happen to be independent now. That's what the party needs to think about. And I don't know if the party can do that, Tavis, with Donald Trump leading it. No, I, I, and I want to talk about your, your journey from being a member of the GOP to being an independent. I know, and um, uh, those who follow you know that you have uh, worked in the past uh, with people like Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney and uh, Ben Carson. Uh, I like to talk to all kinds of folk on this program, as I say all the time. 
Uh, I am not afraid to have my assumptions reexamined. I'm not afraid to expand my inventory of ideas, not afraid to be proven right, for that matter, on the issues and things that I believe in. You can only do that in contestation with other persons who have differing points of view. And so I welcome conservatives time to time on this program, and you, of course, uh, being not independent, but I, I welcome these other voices. I want to get to a bit of your backstory as a black man uh, when we come forward. In the two minutes I have before news, traffic, and sports, let me get back to the point you raised a moment ago, Sir Michael, uh, about what mm-hmm. the uh, RNC chairwoman, uh, Ms. McDaniel, ought to do if, in fact, Donald Trump is indicted. It's a lot easier said than done. She could come out and say, we do not, respectfully, want an individual who has been indicted running for the nomination of our party. But that puts her, not unlike Ron DeSantis, not unlike Mike Pence, not unlike Nikki Haley or anybody else on the other side, that puts them... Uh, uh, in a tete-a-tete with these Donald Trump supporters. The guy just got 62% of the straw poll at CPAC. So how does the, chairman of the chairwoman of the party come out and say, we don't want a guy who's been indicted running for the nomination of our party? How in the world would that get re- uh, be responded to by those who do, in fact, support Trump in the party? And you think the party has disarray now. What would happen when she comes out and says the front runner needs to drop out? They probably won't like it, but I guess my rebut to that would be what moral and ethical obligation do leaders have to do what is right? Uh, as my grandmother once taught me a long time ago, the truth bears no lie. And so that is to say, if we know we're moving in the wrong direction, if we know that we can do better, if we know that the voters themselves deserve better, even if they may not see it themselves as a leader, you must take that risk and say whatever the repercussions may be from the people, we know that we're making the best decision long term, not only for the interest of the party, for the interest of the entire country, Tabas. I mean, we're at a breaking point in this country right now. You, you look at the history of, 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 of past civilizations, great ones, that is, and you look at the internal strife and struggles that led to all of their during the downfalls. We are at the the precipice of that in this country right now. You look at China as our greatest adversary and and the advances that they're making on a significant number of fronts and the threats and risks that those things pose to us. And, and, And I think the party has to say, you know, this is bigger than just this one election. And maybe we lose in 2024. We're going to be willing to accept that if that's what it means, resetting ourselves as a party and moving in a better, healthier direction, not only again for the party, but for the country. I think things are bigger at stake than just Trump and the Republican Party winning in 2024. And that, for me, would be a risk that I'm willing to take, Tavis. I hear you loud and clear on the other side of news, traffic, and sports. I'm going to come right back to this question. It's one thing to say that the chairperson of the party ought to, in fact, uh, ask Donald Trump to get out of the race. Uh, if, in fact, he's indicted, which appears likely by one of these uh, three investigations, uh, I'm, I don't see it, though. Uh, I, I, As I said today, I do not see uh, Ms. McDaniel, uh, the chairman of the Republican Party, coming out and saying publicly that Donald Trump ought to get out of the race. I don't see it. Uh, I could be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. Don't see it as I see here today. Uh, so, um, Sir Michael suggests that's what she ought to do when we come forward. I'll ask him, does he think in reality, she will, in fact, do that since uh, an indictment appears likely in one of these cases. That and a great deal more to get to as we move to the rest of this hour, talking with our guest, Sir Michael Singleton, host of his own show on Sirius XM. But today he's on KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate loses and love wins. I'm Tavis Smiley. Glad to have you tuned in in this hour. Before I get back to our guest of this hour, Sir Michael Singleton, talking about all things uh, politics today. Um, for those who watched last week, it was last uh, Tuesday, uh, a week ago tomorrow. Last Tuesday, we had our 
uh, radio premiere play of The Return. Uh, for those who didn't see it, uh, this is a radio play exclusive on this station that imagines Martin and Malcolm returning to Earth 50 plus years after their assassination. They come back to Earth for one hour. And during that one hour, they sit for a conversation with a guy named Tavis Smiley. And Tavis Smiley gets a chance to ask Martin and Malcolm a variety of questions about contemporary issues that we are facing. It's called The Return. It's a radio uh, play that we broadcast live here uh, Tuesday morning last week at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Tons of you listen to that conversation. How do I know it? I'm seeing your post. I'm getting your emails. You're stopping me on the street when you see me in the city and moving about. Uh, thank you for listening to that play, that radio play, The Return. Uh, and you'll be happy to know that uh, we have uh, posted, as of late last night, a number of uh, pieces of footage uh, behind the scenes. So we filmed it. We filmed it. And there are three beautiful clips uh, of um, the return behind the scenes footage of us doing this live in studio. As you heard it on the radio, you can now see footage of us actually in studio working this thing out. Uh, the, the great actors, um, Gerald Rivers, Gerald C. Rivers, and Maurice Kitchen, who also wrote the radio play. Uh, Rivers plays uh, King, uh, Kitchen plays Malcolm. Um, you can actually see footage of it now. So uh, go to any of our platforms, YouTube, any of our platforms. It's called Behind the Scenes of the Return. Behind the Scenes of the Return. If you want to just uh, check out some video clips of what it was like actually in studio while you were listening on the radio, those uh, uh, three different clips are posted right now. and uh, You can check those out uh, to see what was happening in real time while you were listening again on the radio. So that's posted right now. Uh, check it out. Tell your friends. Uh, it's called Behind the Scenes of the Return on all any of our social media platforms you can find it. Now, back to Shermichael Singleton. He's the host of his own show on SiriusXM. Delighted to have him on in this hour talking on KBLA Talk 1580 today about all the political news over the weekend. In case you've just tuned in, Donald Trump won the straw poll last weekend at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, making him once again, at the moment, the front runner for the Republican nomination. Uh, Michael said before news traffic and sports moments ago, that if, in fact, Donald Trump is indicted in one of three different cases, it could be out of Atlanta, Fulton County. It could be out of New York State. Uh, it could be out of the federal government. Uh, who knows? But there are any number of routes uh, that lead to indictment, perhaps, for one Donald Trump. He said this weekend at that CPAC conference that even if he is indicted in any of these investigations, he will not drop out of the race. And so Michael Singleton says that if, in fact, that's the case, the chair of that party, uh, Ms. McDaniel, um, should say loudly that we do not want someone seeking our nomination. We will not have someone seeking our nomination who has been indicted. We don't want that. It's not good for the party. Uh, I get it uh, intellectually, but I can't see that happening. So the question, Michael, is it's one thing to say she ought to do that. Tell me why you believe that she will, in fact, do that. Not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Travis. Not the same thing at all. She won't do it because, you know, politicians, political leaders are most concerned about self-preservation and power. And I get it. I've worked for enough of them. I've helped enough get elected to understand that first and foremost. And Republicans want to win. They look at the last midterm and saw they got a complete beating in the House. They did not win the Senate as expected, and a lot of donors who put in over a billion dollars to try to help Republicans win aren't happy about it. Ronna McDaniel herself had multiple individuals contesting her reelection to the GOP uh, chairmanship. And so first and foremost, she's going to look at all of those variables and say, you know, we got to stand behind Donald Trump. And that's what I predict that she will continue to do. Yep. 
Well, I'm glad we uh, agree on that part. <laughs> so again, it's one thing to say it. <laughs> as a, as, it's one thing to, to make it a moral imperative. I get that. Uh, it's another thing to see it in actuality, and I don't see it coming, and I'm glad you don't either. I was going to say, Shermichael, I love your analysis, brother, but put down the crack pipe. Put down the crack pipe. <laughs> if you think I mean, Travis, Travis, we got to keep morality and ethics alive, right? And we got to keep some type of standards left in this country. <laughs> Somebody does. Somebody does. I, I, uh, I would say amen to that point. Um, let, let me let me pivot um, to your politics, and then I want to move from there to Joe Biden, who was in uh, Selma yesterday. Tomorrow, of course, uh, the big anniversary of um, what happened on Evan uh, Pettus Bridge in Selma. We'll get to that uh, in a moment. Uh, but um, you have worked uh, in the past for Newt Gingrich. Uh, for Mitt Romney, for Ben Carson. I don't know Mitt Romney personally, but I know Newt rather well. Uh, I know Ben Carson, of course, rather well. Uh, but you've worked for a number of persons, as you mentioned earlier. You've got a lot of Republicans elected over the course of your career. Um, and I'm always fascinated uh, by young black men like yourself. We've been seeing a lot of stories of late uh, that black men in particular are being you know, turned on by uh, uh, Republican politics. Uh, you see black men uh, in certain races voting at numbers that are a little striking for some of us. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Numbers where they're voting for their Republican candidate. So there's been that conversation, which we won't get into today. We'll have you back a later time, just perhaps to talk about black men and uh, okay. and, and Republicans. You've moved from being a member of the Republican Party to being an independent, but just give me the quick backstory for how Shermichael Singleton got got pulled into being a Republican as a, as a young black male in this country. <laughs> You know, so when, when I moved from New Orleans to Texas, um, I started a Teenage Republican Society chapter. And my tennis coach at the time was a Republican. And he was sort of a great mentor, and I was really starting to get into politics. I fell in love with politics at a very young age because of my great-grandfather. And started learning a little bit more about the ins and outs. I was like, oh, wow, okay, this seems interesting, so I'm going to be a Republican. And clearly, as I got older and started to understand the dynamics of politics, generally speaking, and, and both parties, it just sort of seemed to me that my upbringing was certainly rooted in conservatism, although most black people don't vote Republican today. And so I began to sort of think, well, shouldn't there be a place for black people to vote in the Republican Party that sort of advocates for some of the issues that are important to black people? I understand why most don't today, but we need somebody fighting for that, because I personally believe that it's just not enough for us not to have diversity uh, in our political power. And so that's sort of why I joined the party. Uh, Tavis, I was well aware of the issues that the party faced. I was well aware that the party certainly isn't as progressive on racial issues as it once was 80, 90 years ago. And I sort of felt that there needed to be black people who were in touch with the community, who were in touch with the issues that plagued our community to say, hey, I'm a black person. I know what's going on in my community. Republicans, when you're in power, you need to address these issues in the right way. And I tried to do that. And I got to a point where I just realized, Tavis, while there were people in the party who agreed with me, who said, Michael, you're absolutely right. We've got to do some things differently. We've made a lot of drastic mistakes over the past couple of decades as it pertains to black voters. It wasn't enough. And so I said, you know, I'm fighting a losing battle. So I decided to leave the party and become an independent. Hmm. What's fascinating about that is that your friend and my friend, uh, I've known Michael Steele many, many years. Michael uh, comes on this program from time to time. Um, mm -hmm. Michael feels the same way you feel about the, the, about the, the present state and the future of the GOP. I'm not sure there's much difference in how you guys view that, but Michael has decided to stay. You walked away. What's the difference? So I, I talk to Michael Steele regularly. He's a good friend of mine. and was a mentor for a long time. And the chairman, the former chairman, believes that if someone comes into your house 
you should fight them out. And I understand that principle. I just don't believe, Tavis, just seeing where the party is intellectually, I don't think there's a winning fight there. I, I think until leadership decides we're tired of losing, this trajectory does not set us up for long-term gains. Until that happens, for me, I don't think I can really add much. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping that will come, and I, and I think it will, because the mathematics won't lie. The country's becoming more diverse. Uh, white uh, birth rates are down. That's a majority of Republican voters. There will be an epiphany. I can guarantee you that at some point. Yeah. I just don't know when that will come, and I'm not willing to wait. When it comes, then I'll reassess things and say, okay, they finally had a wake-up moment. Then I'll sort of join and help rebuild. But I, I'm just tired of it, man. I, I think that black people are going through a lot of things. People in general, white people, are going through a lot of things. And we need to have a healthy political system in this party where this liberalism or conservatism that is having healthy debates to try to solve those things. People need that. Yeah. And I don't think that enough people are getting that right now. So that's sort of the way I assess sure. things. So when we come forward um, to the point you've just made now, uh, Michael Steele, of course, was, in fact, the first and only, for that matter, African-American to lead the Republican National Committee. I want to ask Sir Michael Singleton whether or not he thinks, and I'm not naive in asking this, but I do want to get his temperature on whether or not he thinks the party, the GOP, will ever do better by black folk. Steele was the, Steele was the first. He's still there. Um, Sir Michael was there and left. But the question is whether or not Sir Michael Singleton thinks that the GOP will ever do better by black people. Will they ever have an agenda that will cause them to be uh, considered uh, more uh, assertively, uh, more seriously by African-American voters? That and a great deal more when we come forward with Sir Michael Singleton on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. Sir Michael Singleton, will the GOP ever um, you think do better by African-American voters? Will they ever give them something to vote for? Will they ever have an agenda? Uh, this reckoning that you say is coming, coming. Uh, I suspect this epiphany is the word you use. I call it a reckoning. You call it an epiphany, same thing. Um, will it ever get to a mm -hmm. point where they will start to advance an agenda that black folk, black voters can take seriously? Yeah, I think so. I think when they start losing, Tavis, to the <laughs> point that I was making, the demographics just are not on the side of Republicans. Again, you're seeing a decline in white, white birth rates, not only in the United States, but across Europe. It's why in Europe now you're seeing nationalism and populism increase again. You're seeing a lot of racial dissent increase again. Um, and for the first time in a very long time, I must say, by the way, you're finally starting to see an increase in the black population, uh, which I think is a, is a really, really positive sign. I think that's attributed to my um, life expectancy increasing, better education, um, better paying jobs, uh, less abortion rates, and, and, and all that is tied in. And I don't want to get into the abortion thing, but I'm just saying all of that I think is a positive thing to have more healthy black families, more black people, I think is a necessary thing because there is indeed power in numbers. Uh, but with that said, I think when the GOP starts losing and, and losing significantly in the next 5 to 10 to 15 years, they will have no choice. I mean, you know, this is just not Sir Michael Singleton's opinion. This is based off of raw numbers, Tavis. At some point, the numbers will demand that the GOP target and outreach to other people outside of majority white voters. That is just a fact. Yep. Um, from your mouth to God's ears, we shall see, my friend. Let me shift from um, from uh, 
<laughs> from, from having talked about Donald Trump to talking about Joe Biden, um, Trump could be the nominee once again. And if Biden runs again, it'd be a face-off once again between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. So let me shift now to President Biden, since, since we've already uh, talked enough uh, about Donald Trump. President Biden is in Selma yesterday, as we all know, on that Edmund Pettus Bridge. Tomorrow is the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. Uh, that's tomorrow. But... Um, President Biden was there yesterday and he said, and I quote, Selma is a reckoning, close quote. Selma is a reckoning is what the president had to say yesterday. And let me just say to you, with all due respect to Joe Biden, I've had enough of it. I, I may get in trouble for saying this. I've had enough of it. I'm, I'm tired of the annual treks to Selma. I'm tired of the annual marches across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. History matters. Make no mistake about it. Um, but every election, as Bill Clinton once said, is about the future, not the past. And I've had it because they, they keep going to Selma every year for the anniversary of Bloody Sunday. Um, but nothing is happening on voting rights. Uh, and it, it's starting to appear and feel to me a great deal more symbolic than substantive. We do it every year, but it's more symbolic than substantive. Nothing is happening on voting rights. Nothing is moving in the Senate on voting rights. Democrats now control the Senate, um, not the House, as they once did. Uh, but nothing has really happened here. When we come forward in our remaining moments with Sir Michael Singleton, I'm curious as to whether he feels as I do. This is getting to be kind of old for me. I'm, I'm getting worn out, again, by these annual journeys, these these treks to, to summer. Everybody goes there and marches across the bridge and enacts what happened 58, 57, 56, 55 years ago. We're 58 years later now. Almost 60 years later, we're still reenacting this march across the bridge, but nothing is moving. Nothing is happening on voting rights. I digress, at least for the moment. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. This conversation does matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley and Shermichael Singleton in the last four minutes we have at least. Um, I gave you my take a moment ago, Shermichael. Um, I'm, I'm as committed and dedicated to voting rights and civil rights and human rights as anybody. My work and witness over these uh, decades, I hope, speaks to that. And yet I'm getting tired of these annual treks to the bridge so long as nothing happens in Congress. That's me. What say you? Yeah, I mean, look, you may not be surprised by my opinion on this, and perhaps your audience would not be surprised either after knowing more about my background politically. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Look, symbolism is great and all, but symbolism doesn't put food on the table. It doesn't put money in the bank. Uh, it doesn't create safety in communities. It doesn't uh, create a lateral movement of economic prosperity or generational wealth or sustainability of said wealth. And so while, uh, you know, it looks good and all, I really don't care about it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a smart guy. I read history. History is important. We should teach our children history, and the country should maintain uh, historic relevance. But black people need real solutions today, whether it's voting rights, whether it's education, whether it's the lack of, of really good jobs in our communities, whether it's our inability to, to really create the type of wealth that is necessary, which is why there's a big conversation right now about reparations, which your state of California seems to be making significant movement on. That's something, that, believe it or not, that as a conservative I actually support because my conservative disposition is you're going to have to pay for things one way or the other. I would rather create positive opportunities for people versus paying for the negative things as a result of the lack of those positive opportunities. And there's a conservative argument to make that case, Tavis. 
So it looks good and all, but I would say to the president, who, in my personal opinion, has been quite demeaning to black people. Remember when he got elected, he had that conversation with the quote-unquote black leaders, and pretty much said, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. And my opinion was, well, with all due respect, Mr. President, there would be no President Biden if it were not for black people in South Carolina and black people nationally speaking. And so I think while I respect Joe Biden, I, I think that he has not done enough, in my opinion, for black people. And I think we as black people need to demand far more from him and Democrats uh, writ large, in, in my personal view. And I don't think that we are. Well, my view is I'd, I'd rather him stay in Washington uh, and work with his own Democratic Senate. Uh, to get something mm-hmm. done on voting rights rather than wasting taxpayer dollars and fuel to fly back down to Selma yet again to march across this bridge. He did have the right words to say, though. I quote from the president, as I come here in commemoration, not for show, Selma is a reckoning. The right to vote and to have your vote counted is the threshold of democracy and liberty. With it, anything is possible. Without it, without that right, nothing is possible. And this fundamental right remains under assault, close quote. He said exactly what needed to be said. Now let's see if he can do what needs to be done. Again, I digress for the moment. Our guest in this hour has been Shermichael Singleton, host of the Shermichael Singleton Show on Sirius XM on Saturdays, Channel 126. Uh, Shermichael, good to have you on. We'll do it again somewhere down the road. I am certain all the best to you, sir. Give my best to your parents, please. Tavis, this is a real pleasure. Please, please call me back. I'm really grateful for you for this opportunity. My great honor to have you. Hour two of Tavis Smiley. After news, traffic, and sports, we got two more great hours to go. Uh, You're listening to Tavis Smiley right now on KBLA Talk 1580.